Welcome to Beyond the Ring. I'm Dale Hummel, serving as your co-star alongside Ryan Rash. Hi, boy. Hi. <laughs> Those of you listening, I assume, have a connection to the stock show industry. And, and with that, I don't think there's probably much need for an introduction to, of Ryan Rash. But we have had a lot of inquiries about how did we come together with this project and how did we decide to co-host the Behind the Ring educational podcast. On my end, it's simple. The, the respect that I have for Ryan when he comes into a more traditional-minded industry as himself, not afraid of the challenges that, that are going to be put forth out there and, and addressing them head-on has gained a lot of respect for me. Um, I appreciate that very much about Ryan. If I go back in, in time here, I guess that the first introduction that I had to Ryan was when he was showing as a youth in the stock show world and, and the, the majors in Texas, and then he reappeared again during his senior college livestock judging career at Texas A&M and, and obviously a very dominating uh, individual in those, those ranks. A few years had passed and Ryan comes back on the scene as a livestock judge uh, serving multiple species across the country. This is when it hit me, I guess, the hardest that, that his abilities and his, his, in my mind, consistency to sort livestock and discuss structural correctness and do it accurately and do it with some, some professionalism combined with the, the overwhelming youth support that he has or youth interest to show underneath him hit me extremely hard. At that point, it, in my mind, it's, it, it's simple. It seems like it's the logical place to go for somebody that wants to hire a youth livestock judge. And, and Ryan's been out there judging shows across the country. He makes it a, a well-known fact that he's, he's happy to judge any show in the country, provided it comes close to covering its expenses and fits into his calendar. And, and that, that's impressive, kind of unparalleled. There's not a lot of people out there willing to do that. Um, Ryan and I have been friends for, for several years. We do have contrasting personalities and lifestyles, yet we share a common goal. I guess if I think back to one of the times that I, I can remember in, in Houston when I was down there helping clients at the Houston Stock Show, Ryan comes walking into the arena area where I was setting the bleachers in shorts, flip-flops, full makeup, toenails painted to the hill with plenty of sparkles, and I, I, I can assure you at that time, I didn't think in the future I'd be sitting down to have a podcast with this young man. Happy to do it, excited to do it, Ryan. I couldn't think of a better one to jump into this journey with, and, and I appreciate you coming along. That's so cute. You really do like me. I do. <laughs> it's, not, it's not just pretend. See, if they knew, if see, the one thing about these podcasts that I just love is even though I am in full makeup right now, I'm like, I had to get a tissue because I almost cried. You were so nice about me, Dale. This is beautiful. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that so much. And uh, on a serious note, Dale pitched this idea to me several months ago. And this has not just been about the podcast, but about the whole Beyond the Ring platform that we're rolling out and introducing. And when he first pitched it to me, I thought his ideas were really, really creative and wonderful and things that could help the stock show industry. And again, you know, we are polar opposites in a lot of ways. Dale is somebody that is so grounded and so logical and always has a plan for success no matter what he does. And that's very evident in the things that he's done in terms of the livestock area and whether it's goats or cattle or cats that he raises, he's been a success in almost everything that he does. And so that's the one common denominator that we do have is I think that we're both very successful people. And when we put our mind to something, we want to see it succeed and we're going to stop at nothing to do just that. And so that was what initially got me as excited about anything is to work with someone that I respect as much as I do, Jail. And I know that his work ethic and his drive 
is very, very similar to mine. And so I'm really looking forward to this. As I said, even though they can't see me, I did like put on a full face today. I've got my best outfit on because I know Dale probably hasn't watched the Tiger King, but it's the thing that is the biggest out there in the world. And so I've got a bedazzled kitty cat t-shirt on right now. (laughs) And so I'm excited to be here and ready to go. So again, Dale, before we get too far in this, thank you for this opportunity. And I look forward to it. No, thank you, Ryan. And just a side note, I, I have watched Tiger King. My, my children drug me into that. Oh, one. you're in the gutter with the rest of us. That's so cute. I never would have thought that. Not only have I watched it, I can, I can take it a little further. I have had connections with Carol Baskin. And we don't need to discuss that. You That's, know Carol Baskin? I am not going to claim to know her. I have I had contact with Carol Baskin. I need a meeting. I am still alive. I can do that. I think we can arrange that. I had no idea Dill Hummel had had contacts with Carol Baskin. We got to get on a plane right now because I, I need to I did not say I her. was proud of those contacts. I don't care if you're proud <laughs> can, of them or can, not. I want to meet this woman. <laughs> This sounds like episode two to me. Anyway, okay, um, sorry. Let's, you, you got let's, me all Twitter painted. I was all speaking of, I need to tweet that. Dale knows Dale, Carol Baskin, but anyhow. <laughs> moving on. Next. Okay, Ryan, you you take us into our vision for Beyond the Ring. You've <laughs> you've got as, as many good ideas as I could ever ever imagine, and, and I'm gonna let you take off with that. You know, as we both talked about, uh, we see this as way more than a podcast. You know, I am a guy with big hair and big ideas, and you have a lot of big ideas as well, but we do want this. To be more than just a podcast, but we think that the podcast is important because it's the thing right now that gets information and education out as quick and as easy as any. And so we're going to do that for them. Uh, I have so many other plans for Beyond the Ring, including, you know, as you go into the podcast, I want to have live podcast at shows. I will say that we got to get to the point where we're having those shows again. But when we do, I want to be there so we can grab people from the audience, talk to kids as they walk by talk to the judges after they get done with the show and have, you know, fun interactive things like that or a way to make the podcast more interactive with those people who are our audience and are our listeners. Uh, I will also tell you, though, before we do a live one, I'm going to have to have a bedazzled microphone and I am also going to need some earbuds because this big old headpiece thing that you've got is not working with my weight. But we'll get to that later. I, Anyhow. I understand that. And, and to maybe share, share with the, the listeners here, Ryan uh, went on strike. Yesterday or a couple of days yes, ago, and I did. The reason for that was I I had ordered the microphone, I ordered the headphones, and and they're just pretty plain. No, yeah. no glitter, no sparklies. I I didn't see them, but but he is he was officially on strike for a while. This whole color combo is like black, silver, and gray, and it just does not work with me. But I will find a way to suffer through. He also informed me that when I went on strike, that my hero Donald Trump did not like the union, so I had to quickly end that because he's right. So I, I I am here, and I am excited to be. Uh, besides having live podcasts, I also have talked to Dale. I want to have a Beyond the Ring stock show uh, that encompasses all species. Again, we've got to get to a point where we can get there before we can make any definite plans. But that is something that I definitely want to do because uh, I think that it's really, really important for us as we get past this critical time in our nation's history and most importantly in the stock show history that we embrace the positive things that we learned to love so much and have probably taken for granted some in this industry as of late. And so that is one big push that I'm going to hammer on Dale about is having an all-species jackpot show as soon as we can in the near future. And 
making it uh, big and extravagant. That's uh, That sounds great. A couple other things that we're going to work towards uh, in terms of topics and, and the vision for the podcast itself, and it's going to go beyond that. We're going to have an educational platform up on a website that hopefully we can we can provide a lot of useful information for the, the youth and their families out there. One of the things I'm most excited about is I think maybe now more than ever, we, we need to address some of the, the, always address the positive, but also address some of the things that, that need talked about within the stock show industry and take them head on. There's going to be some tough topics that people don't always want to talk about, but I think if we come into it as honest and as transparent as we possibly can, I think there's a lot of good that can come from that. And, and I believe in our episode two, we're going to, going to jump in with both feet and, and we'll talk about that here in just a little bit in terms of, of what our thoughts are. And, and instead of necessarily bringing somebody into interview, Ryan and I had discussed that we're going to, going to work with the experts in the field of, of that topic area or that conversation area and include them as a, as a fellow host and obviously have some questions laid out and some topics that we want to discuss. But uh, we very much look forward to bringing some of the industry leaders in to discuss some of those topics. Uh, hopefully it'll, it'll work out well. The other thing that we, we are going to encourage, and, and Ryan's already done so to a certain degree, we have the Beyond the Ring Facebook page, Instagram, Snapchat, any manner and probably social media, the Facebook page is going to work best for us. We want your ideas. We want to know what, what you want to, want to hear. And we're going to target this towards youth or have a very strong youth swing on this. So, so th- let us know. Tell us what you want to hear about. What, what topics do you want us to cover? We're happy to, to go whatever direction we need to. And, and I think Ryan and I are both very open to taking this whatever direction works best. We have a vision, but there's a lot of a lot of blanks that can be filled in and a lot of topics that I'm sure need to be covered that haven't come onto our radar just yet. I agree with Dale completely on that. And I, you know, I think the thing, there's so many different uh, podcasts out there for you to listen to. We want us to, we want ours to be different and we want it to be unique. And one way to do that is to make it more audience-friendly, more audience-driven. We want to hear who you want to hear from and from terms of guests, what topics you want discussed, what topics you find interesting. And those are things that you've got to relay to us so we can get them out there on this podcast. Another thing that's really important to me, I know it's important to Dale, is I think that juniors should be a big part of this because that is what my passion is, is the junior industry, the juniors in this industry, the kids and the youth, and that's what I am passionate about and that's why I travel all over the nation, no matter what time of the year, day or week, week or weekend, and try to work with these kids through judging shows and sorting their livestock and interacting with them. And with that being said, this is our first podcast, but on our third podcast, our guest is actually going to be what we're calling the Beyond the Ring Junior Spotlight. And we have a contest going right now. And what you need to do, if you want to be our very first guest, Junior Spotlight guest, that is, then you need to submit a one-minute video Send it to our email, and that in that video, you need to say your name, where you're from, why, what you show, and why you would be the best person to be our first junior spotlight. And we're not just going to ask you, you know, basic questions. We're going to engage with you on topics and get those kids' opinion because one thing that I think gets overlooked way too much in our industry is that what the kids think and what the kids feel should matter the most. And a lot of times it doesn't. And so that's one thing that I'm going to push for. And I know Dale agrees with me wholeheartedly on that topic. Absolutely, Ryan. And, and Ryan and I had discussed uh, with our first youth guest, we're, we're excited. We're going to bring them in. Uh, are we going to introduce them? Absolutely. We're going to talk a little bit about where they're from and maybe what species they're involved with and, and the standard things that you always hear. But 
I, I have a, a vision, and, and Ryan and I have, have discussed this. Let's bring them in as, as, I don't know, necessarily a co-host, but somebody that can truly discuss some of the things that, that we want to address in the stock show issue or stock show industry. And a lot of times we, we, we handpick what we want to talk about, but this is going to be geared towards the youth, and, and we would prefer to hear from those youth and get their input. Do they, for example, do they want to participate in virtual shows? Do they want to do uh, showmanship in, in those virtual shows? What direction do they want to go on, on different things? How is, how is this impacting them personally? We're, we're assuming all these things that these kids are working their stock every day and still getting all the benefits that, that come with the stock show experience, not knowing for sure if they have somewhere to show. We need to, to hear from those youth and to hear what, what their thoughts are on, on some of those topics. And with episode three, that, that contest, as Ryan said, is, is going on right now to get those, encourage you to get those videos in. And we will allow the, the public, we're going to post the, the top few of those up on the Facebook page and allow the public to vote on who's going to be that first guest in terms of the youth. And it's very likely those finalists will all be on at some point, but there's got to be one first. And I think as, as time goes on, as we get into more episodes, you're going to find that Ryan and I are maybe not the best about participation awards. We, we like to win. We like to, to have a competition. I think that competitive nature that, that we breed into these, these stock show kids and, and work into them and thrive for is, is something that really benefits them lifelong. So we're excited about going that direction. We all know that I do not believe in anything participation awards. So yeah, I'm, Dale has to reel me in a little bit that way. But uh, you know, like I say last time, life is a competition, whether we like it or not. And I think that's one of the best things that the junior livestock show industry does is it teaches that to those kids and that because of those reasons and that competitive drive that they have acquired while showing, they will be a lot better off in the game of life than those of those that haven't got to participate in this. Because again, when you're in the game of life and you're out there pursuing your passions and your careers and your dreams, they don't hand out participation awards out there either. So, No, excellent, uh, Ryan. And, and hopefully we will... We'll be able to convey that through each episode and encourage kids to continue doing what they're doing. Um, we're going to move on to uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus. Ryan and I have had many discussions about this. I can uh, think back to... I think Dale knew about coronavirus before Trump or Wuhan personally, but that's just my own personal opinion. <laughs> I, I don't know about that, but I did know about the coronavirus while you were at OIE. And I had scheduled to go to OIE and, and the uh, GOAT show had gotten canceled, so I canceled my my flight and, and stayed here, but I was in contact with Ryan as as he was partaking in OIE and, and at many levels, and, and I'm sure he'd be happy to share a little bit of that with you, but it, it is interesting, and, and it is a, a situation that none of us could have expected or, or planned for or any of the above, and we're sitting through it on on self-quarantine or, or shelter in place, whatever whatever term your state has for that. Bored at home is my term. Bored at home. Bored at home for Ryan. That is my term for self-shelter place or self-quarantine. Bored at home. (laughs) And he he tries to to help out with that a little bit on his Friday night Facebook Live, Miss Corona Facebook Live sessions there. And I think it does help a little bit. We we are a little contrasting. I can I can embarrass myself just a little bit. Let me tell you how contrasting we are. The next time y'all go to a goat show and you see the man in the full hazmat suit, that is not somebody from the CDC, folks. That is Dale Hummel <laughs> checking on his goats at the show. I promise you. Because the next time Dale gets on a plane, he is not going to carry a, a carry-on bag no more. He's going to have a ventilator that he rolls on the plane with it. <laughs> 
I have been cautious. You could talk to my college age children that are that are back in the house, and and we are on lockdown. I pray for everyone in your family, Dave. <laughs> it's 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 been it's we, we've gotten plenty of work out of them. It's been good in a lot of aspects. I I have taken it serious from the standpoint that the unknown is frustrating to me. I I don't think there's enough science, or we haven't been exposed to enough, or there hasn't been enough released on newscast and where we're getting our information from. And, I, and I'm going to go into a, a direction here that, that I'm sure Ryan will be happy to jump into. But a lot of the frustration that I have when, when we, we continue to get information on how to flatten the curve and, and the different theories out there to get through this is the difficulties that we're having, in my opinion, is, is all going back to one place. And that's when China didn't give us the heads up, didn't give us the accurate information there's a lot of things that, that go back to Wuhan and, and the issues that were taking place in China that would have allowed us to probably not be in the, the situation that we are now if they would have been a little more transparent and honest about things. If I look at some numbers, and, and this is from earlier in the week, just to give you an idea, and, and I get way too serious about this sometimes, especially for Ryan, in, in all of China, in theory, they're reporting 82,000 cases. We've had 587,000 cases in the United States. Deaths in China, just over 3,000. Deaths in the U.S., approximately 25,000. But China's lying. China is lying, and that's, that's what we want to bring out here. Here's, here's maybe the best example. <laughs> I mean, let's just get real. I yeah, mean, they are. And, and fake news, whatever you want to talk about. China is flat-ass lying to people. And these statistics bring it out. There's no way. They, they talk about only 50. 58 people per million in China have been exposed or, or test positive for COVID-19, 1,800 out of every million in the U.S. The, the statistics are, I mean, it doesn't take a, a rocket scientist to look at those and say, well, there's, there's issues here. And because of, of some of those issues, I hope, it is, it is my hope that when we get through this, that we become a little more apparent or aware, I guess I should say, of where some of that manufacturing of, of different equipment, where our pharmaceuticals should be made. In my opinion, I, I truly hope that, that people wake up and we bring that manufacturing back. We can be a little more self-reliant, not relying on one country quite like we have. It's, it's a problem. You're going to continue to see some of these things. I mean, I agree with you completely on all that you're saying, but when this first started, they would not let any other country into China to let them help because they wanted to control the narrative. That's, I mean, that's not a made-up story. That's not fake. That's fact. They said, y'all can't come over here and help us. We don't want your help. So if you're turning down other countries' help, aid, etc., you've got something to hide, in my personal opinion. But I agree with Dale completely that, you know, now that we're going to get through this, it's going to take a lot longer than most of us want. But... Uh, I think one of the greatest things that Trump has done during his administration is trying to make the United States more self-reliant on goods and services made here in this country. And I think that is something that we all need to be real conscious of as we move forward, is if you can buy American, shop American, then you probably need to. You know, when people are getting those stimulus checks, don't don't waste that money or spend that money on goods that say made in China. Stimulate the American economy as in this time of crisis for sure. 
Absolutely. And, and we don't know how this started yet. I, I have some ideas of my own and I'm by no means a... Somebody ate an uncooked bat. <laughs> Possibly an uncooked bat. Could be from, That's what they said. Could be from one of the laboratories over there that maybe released one of those uncooked bat, Who bats would into eat the wet market. Bat anyway, much less an undercooked bat. I don't understand that. See, uh, this just- we we hear we hear all about the wet markets, Ryan. Are you familiar with what these wet animal markets are? No, I never been over there. It's uh, and I have not been to China specifically, but but other places in the world also have them. But they're literally going to sell any animal that you can imagine that they can have access to, and and they truly consume these things. I'm. Not saying it, it started out as a, I guess, a, a preferred item or anything like that, but more so out of need with that population and limited resources. So I have some compassion that they're simply trying to get by and, and feed themselves. But when we're having SARS and, and, and several other issues that stem from China and it appears though stem back to the wet market on, on some of these different animals, their living conditions, the consumption of these animals... When it's causing world havoc as it, as it is right now, it seems simple. We need to step up or China needs to step up and some other countries in the world. And, and this no longer needs to happen. I'm not trying to tell people they should or should not eat a cat or a dog or what they should or shouldn't eat. But when it affects the entire population of, of this, this planet. I just can't imagine a bat being tasty. I can't imagine it does either. But I guess if you've grown up with something like that, a different culture, maybe, maybe it is. It might be good. I, I suggest you try it. No, I'm good. I think I'm going to pass on the undercooked bat for now. But um, on the subject, and while we're talking about it, at this state in the mainstream media, I don't know if anybody's ever going to find out the real source of how it happened or what caused it or any of this because there's been too many secrets and lies and covers up, cover-ups already. But one thing I do want to ask you, Dale, because I am well aware that you have researched this more than anyone else that I know, when do you think... Do you think that they're going to stick with the April 30th as the lift date for us to kind of start emerging out of the board at home, lockdown, quarantine, shelter at place, whatever the hell you want to call this nonsense? I, I think uh, here in the next few days, we're going to hear a lot more about that. There appears to be a little bit of a battle over control, the governors versus President Trump and, and who needs to make that call. But I, I think ultimately they're going to work together. I think ultimately there's going to be a lot of encouraging opening up of, of businesses and, and different things in the, the rural states, probably the Republican-controlled states is where we're going to see the opening. I don't think it's going to be like a light switch and everything automatically opens up. I think there'll be sections of the country, sections of the economy that are going to, going to open up. And I absolutely believe at the end of this month, some of those, if not sooner, will start to open up. There will be others that are stay on, on lockdown or boredom lockdown or, or whatever everybody wants to address it as for, for a longer period of time. And unfortunately, our governor here in Illinois and the proximity that we are to Chicago, I don't see this particular area that, that my family's in opening up any time very soon. But we, we've He's talked, a Democrat, isn't he? He is a Democrat. And we, we've, we've talked a lot about, and, and I remember President Trump came out and, and talked about the, the that we can't make is can't make more problems than maybe what the the initial virus is the going to do. The solution right? cannot be worse. The cure cannot be what? What did he say? The cure cannot solution be worse. Cannot be worse. Yes, what one of those things? And we're 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 definitely playing on that a little bit right now. When you think about the the long term impacts of the economy shutting down, when it affects so so many different people, and and we know that if we increase the poverty level. We're increasing quality of life. We're increasing death rate. We're increasing a lot of different things. 
And if we were just to stop and think about how many pre-cancer screenings, pre-heart disease screenings, all the things that, that, are not, that weren't deemed necessarily essential, that we've locked these hospitals down to only COVID-19 patients, it's going to total up to be a little higher maybe than, than what any of us want to accept. And it's going to cause some issues. So it's, it's, it's not a good situation. I think President Trump has done a fantastic job of, of trying to navigate through this. But in hindsight, there's never a good path. Different countries are going different directions. And a year from now, we might be able to say, well, we should have done this or that. But I can assure you, if we would have had more manufacturing of masks, of ventilators, of therapeutics, all of these things in country versus relying on China for a lot of them, we would have been much better prepared to, to handle this. I, I'm going to admit, I, I went to the airport the other day. Uh, we had to deliver some. Oh, the pictures were great. <laughs> we had to, deliver, I had to deliver kittens that were going out to some clients that we'd sold. And uh, in the city of Chicago. The, Anybody famous? The, uh, no, uh, not that I'm aware of on this one. No, nobody famous. See, the, the I need of- access to your secret files of your like famous customers in the kitty cat business. Because, again... Now that I know that you know Carol Baskin, I'm interested to find out who else you might know because I need to like <laughs> meet these people. I, I we do have a at least one or two disclosure contracts where we can't disclose. Well, I become your lawyer or something, so I am no the, the confidentiality agreements will be null and void with me. I understand. I, I'll do my best on that one. I will be your representative. Do I need to be adopted or something? I can whatever <laughs> angle I've got to work here to get in on this. But anyway. <laughs> So back back to the airport. In the city of Chicago, the safest place right now may be the airport. I was there for approximately four hours in the baggage claim area where American Airlines comes in to, to ship out these, these kittens. Uh, there were a lot of people shipping small packages. Most of them appeared to be COVID-19 testing equipment uh, and, and lots of it going out. The entire time I was there, there was not one bag that came through that that carousel in the American terminal. And it's it's pretty shocking to me how the, that the airlines are shut down to this this point. People simply aren't traveling unless absolutely essential. Back to the picture that I sent Ryan. Uh, some of you remember this. Back in the, the, the old days with specific pathogen-free hogs or SPF hogs, we'd have to put a white Tyvek suit on or plastic disposable boots, sometimes a, a mask of some sort. I was able to acquire some of those, and I was in full Havoc gear heading up to the airport, and I promise you, as I'm walking through the airport to get to the baggage parcel counter, there was nobody that would come near me. I assume they thought I had COVID-19. I, I, I don't know what they thought, but they, they weren't real accommodating as far he as— He sanitized his tires, and he washed all his clothes in bleach when he got home, and I don't know. There was a whole lot there, there were, there was, of all this There was no room for error on, on bringing something back from Chicago on, on the corona side of things, so— Yes, it's, it's interesting. I, I hope we learn a lesson. And I hope we, we bring that manufacturing back. hope we do a lot of things, and it, and it opens our eyes to, to what's going on. We're going to see some, some issues. I, I don't know. I have not been to a grocery store in over 30 days. I hear that the meat supply is— To what? <laughs> I have not been to a grocery store in 30 days. You haven't been to a grocery store in 30 days? Probably longer. I don't remember the last time. What is wrong with you, man? That's I, where I, all I, the funny people are. It is. I th- you have never seen the people of Walmart is on a whole new level now with the Miss Rona. I mean, like the <laughs> the outfits they wear and the mask. Yeah, you got to go. You've got a hazmat I, suit. I, I, 
You need some like quality go. entertainment in your life. You need to go and just just FaceTime me while you're I there. I am going to get on social media and get them to pressure Dale to going to Wally World because you need a Walmart <laughs> I can't do trip it. I before just can't do it yet. Miss Rona is over with. <sighs> it, 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 is, it is a new world we're living in, and I, I, I'm ready for it to be over. I hope it is sooner than later. Um, I just had, had saw there a couple days ago Smithfield uh, packing plant, the pork processor shut down, Tyson shut down uh, here in Columbus Junction and, and Iowa here in the Midwest. We're we're seeing some some disruptions in the supply chain at the grocery stores. I commend those people out there in the distribution centers, those working in the grocery stores, all of the above. We talk about the front lines being the doctors, the nurses, and and absolutely, and I, I can't give them enough credit for doing what they're doing. And and several of those that are that are young in their thirties and forties that are perfectly healthy, when they're re-exposed to this virus at a level that they are in those hospitals, some of those are obviously contracting it at a very high level, and it's still killing some of the people that don't have those underlying causes. My fear is we're going to see some of this at the grocery store workers, at those working the fast food restaurants, all the above. Those are just as much, in my mind, frontline workers right now that are essential. They have to be there. I I purchased enough supplies for livestock and my family and all that long ago that I I don't have to go out there, and I, I think it's 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 commendable for those that are that are that are doing that job and and hopefully we can keep that supply chain going but when i think about shackle space out there in the livestock processing world with those plants shut down product doesn't stop coming we can't pull these animals off feed there's there's going to be some tough times coming through here shortly well you're saying that you haven't been to a grocery store in 30 days and that you got all this stuff stockpiled before which you had told me a little bit about but not everything about this goes to prove that what I said earlier was right. You knew about the virus before it hit Wuhan. I don't know who you talked to, but anyhow, because <laughs> y'all, he has been the most prepared. And it's been, at first, I, 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 I'm sure that I, I picked it up on Fox News. So the president was surely aware of it at that point. At first, I thought he was just like a little woohoo, but now, uh, yeah. Uh, the one thing that I do want Dale to touch on because I find it really interesting is because I think the biggest question on everybody's minds, and I agree with you. God bless everybody that is out there still working and those people that are deemed essential, no matter what industry they're in. Thank you all for everything that you're doing and, you know, keeping us going as well as we are. But Dale was telling me the other day that sometime either this week or next week that there's going to be an antibody test out and where you can take it at home and find out if you have antibodies to Miss Rhoda, if you don't, et cetera. So Dale, I'm not nearly as scientific as you, but I think the biggest question on everybody's mind is how we need to know if not if you have it, but where do we go from here after this? Is this going to be something like the flu where it's going to be, you know, everybody get a shot and we're going to be all right? Or tell us about that antibody test and what how you think that's going to affect us right here in the near future. No, I'm happy to discuss that, and I, and I have researched that quite a bit, and I, I'm unsure why we didn't have an antibody test 30-plus days ago that was readily available for more people, and there's a lot it of— It is Biden's fault. Yeah, I think it was Biden. I think he canceled that somehow. Um, antibody tests, in, in my mind, are, are going to be essential uh, moving forward in this one. It, it would be a very good idea. I talked to a lot of people that assume, including Ryan, including myself, that that we've experienced that the symptoms for— COVID-19 obviously are very similar to the flu and a lot of other things. So we, we really don't know if we have or haven't had that. But 
some people that that are, are close to me have been hit pretty hard in the last 30 days or even a little more with with a flu-like symptom that they're assuming they've already had it, and it's very likely that they have. We won't know that until we get the antibody test. But once we get that antibody test and, and you're starting to hear about some people that have, have had access to it, and right now they're trying to give access to healthcare workers so they can go back into the front lines and and not maybe be as cautious. Uh, in theory, they're going to have a, a antibody response that's that's going to take care of them and protect them. The, the scary part of this is we don't know if those antibodies are going to last for a month, for a year, for three years, or for your lifetime. Every virus that enters our body, we're, we're going to get a different response to. And just like when we go to get a vaccination or a booster, we sometimes we, we have to do it more frequently than, than others. And, and these unknowns are still a difficult situation to deal with. But there, there's talk, and I, I don't think this can be done, but if you were to go get an antibody test and you do have antibodies, they will give you a certificate that allows you to go back to work, that allows you into the real world. Um, maybe maybe that will, will come to be. I, I don't think it'll probably go to that point. But if if we had more manufacturing and we could have geared things up to where we had a home antibody test available that everybody could self-test, we're, we're doing something terribly wrong, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just a difficult situation. We have 340-some million people in quarantine, basically, or isolation in our country. How many do we need in quarantine? Probably less than a million. And it would be those that are actually carrying the virus currently that if we had antibody tests or more testing available, in theory, we want to lock down those people that are, that are currently able to carry this virus and expose others and the rest of the world could go on without any issue whatsoever. We don't have that many home tests. They're, they're probably a ways off, but that's a simple solution moving forward if we're trying to prepare ourselves for a pandemic such as this. The other frightening thing to me, yeah, we're, we're not even through this one yet, but what are the chances that, that something like this comes, comes about again, whether it's biological or possibly man-made, does make me lose sleep at night? Well, yeah, that's a very scary thought. You haven't shared that with me. Thanks for sharing that too. No, I, I, there's some things I, I try not to not to let out there, but but it is it is an issue that that we really need to to be prepared for next time or better prepared for. And again, it's nobody's fault this time. We we just didn't see it coming. We we were a little bit blind. The world was going well. The economy's going well, and and everything was bright. And and we're going to be back there soon. Like one of the. Things that I think about a lot during all this is like you touched on, you said, you know, I don't think any of us, the vast majority of us, whether don't know if we've had it, had it, don't have it, uh, been exposed to it, have antibodies to it. I mean, I just don't think there's any possible way as much as I went and as many people as I was around in December, January, February, all the way up until when I was at OIE that I couldn't have been exposed in some short. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, I just don't know how that would be possible because I wasn't, I mean, I was in a new city every two days, probably. I think that's one thing. And using the airport to get there. No, absolutely an airport every single time to get there. And just like you said, there are going to be better and brighter days and we're going to get back to that. I think one of the most interesting things that's going to happen is how is everybody going to react from this? And Again, everything in life is a product of genetics and environment. And so I don't know, you know, I think most things, big things in our world's history happen like this. I think people go one of two ways. They're either way more guarded and way more 
secure with themselves or they're the opposite and that'll be me i'll be like running to the first bar that i can beat the doors down open (laughs) to be at uh but i wonder if this is going to change how we greet people like shaking hands is that going to be way less prevalent than it used to be uh are people how long is it going to take for people to really get back out there and start traveling again whether And I'm not talking about just like me hopping on a plane to judge a show. I'm talking about people taking a yearly family vacation. I mean, after all of the, I, I am like Kathy Lee Gifford. I love a good cruise. Like put me on carnival and send me away. But I'm going to tell you, even as much as I love a booze cruise, I would take a second thought before I got on one for a while. I'm not going to lie. And so I think that is going to be a really interesting thing to watch to see how people react to this as we move forward out of this pandemic it's it's gonna it's gonna be a new world i I think there's gonna be some changes and i think you hit it dead on there's gonna be some people that jump in exactly where they left off others are gonna be much more guarded i've had a discussion with a a young man that works at, at disney in florida and they're talking about not reopening anytime before september 1st and and the changes that'll be made there it just came out this morning. They're talking about when they reopen sporting events, going to every third seat, maybe have a, having some of the sporting events without crowds. Are you there for real? With and for real. And every, and every third uh, seat and a sporting yeah, there's, event. There's going to there's gonna be some some differences. And, I, and I'm good. Let's just get it open. Let's let's try to get back there without without. Let, let's find that balance. I don't know that we found the balance yet between. No, I mean, I agree. Every third seat's better than no seats, but like. Ah, it's just wild to me. I mean, and, and that's what that's what I was touching on. And I don't want to say I'm fascinated by it because that's not the right way. But I do find it very interesting on how, you know, not just how individual people are going to react, but how the sports community, all these other things that have been shut down, that have never been shut down again, or before, excuse me, are going to react. And I, that's when I, and this is going to sound dumb or you know, I knew when they started canceling NBA and all that other thing, I was like, okay, so maybe Dale is a little more right on this being serious than what I'm giving him credit for. Because when the sports stuff shut down, we were in, we were at OYE. It was me, Kelly, and Samantha. And they started shutting all that. I was like, girls, what are we going to do now? They're like, we're here for a lot of stuff shows. Yeah, but this ain't far behind. I'm telling you right now. When they quit having sporting events for the, millions of Americans on television, everything's coming to a standstill pretty quick. No, and I, and I, and I hope it all gets back to normal sooner than later, and, and, and it will. It's just a matter of time. We haven't addressed directly how this, how we see, and I'd love to get the juniors' input on this, but how is this affecting our stock show industry? Uh, how is it affecting the, the breeders that are trying to sell show stock, the, the families that are questioning whether they should buy or shouldn't buy, the virtual shows, the the rumors of underground shows. I, I think we can go a lot of directions with that, but maybe you ought to touch on that just a little bit right now. One of the greatest phenomenons to me about this talk show industry, and again, this is just a real unique place, is no matter what's happening in this world, the stock show industry still seems to find a way to carry on and carry through. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying that sales may not have been down some. They might have. I have not heard that many personal people come to me and say, oh, man, our sale was so much worse this year than it's ever been. I mean, they haven't been telling me that, you know, they had record numbers or record sales or averages. But 
I have not heard that many people being down or pessimistic. I think the thing that we all worry about the most is when are we going to get to have that next show? Because again, other than Dale showing up in the hazmat suit, everyone that I talk to is raring to go to a show right now. I, I think they would travel farther uh, than ever to get to actually go to one. Uh, I know that there are a bunch of people across the Midwest and people that have put animals on feed already for state fairs and county fairs that are wondering if those are going to be out there. And that is real. And those animals were bought way before this ever happened. And that is real. And that is going to affect a lot of people. And so those are concerns. And I, everybody that asks me, again, I don't think we're, I keep telling people the only date that Trump has really given is this April 30th date. And so we got to get there and see what his steps are, because I know some of these governors are saying, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, and that's right. They're, they're going to have a lot of say in their own state, but they're not going to veer too far off what the administration is suggesting, I don't think, because if it comes back and backfires on them, they want him to be their scapegoat, not themselves. Absolutely. And I, I think we're going to have we're going to have a, a lot of things come to play on April 30th and have a lot more direction. I am concerned, and I, I'm addressing calls on, on a daily basis or text from families that, that I've worked with and, and just people inquiring. We're getting a lot of information from the extension offices in the, the states throughout the Midwest that they're, they're basically canceling through the end of June. You're hearing a little bit of... of Rumors that a state fair here or there may cancel that may not be until late July or August. These things concern me because we know so little about this virus. We know so little about how we're going to move forward. I encourage those fair managers, the extension directors, the state fair managers, the governors, whoever we can, we can get to, we need to as a public encourage them. I'm not saying we need to have a show if we're still having serious health issues and this virus is is still here and still beating up on us. But we won't know that until later. In April 30th, we're going to know a lot more than we know now. So there's no advantage in my mind to be canceling a show in July or canceling a show in August or even some of these June shows that we just don't have enough information. And, and it concerns me that some of the state fairs across the Midwest um, – are a liability of that state. They tend to lose money on occasion. They're not very well funded. Maybe it's easier for that governor to not have that state fair, but I can assure you there's there's so many benefits that come through, and, and I don't have to explain that to the stock show world. We need to speak up to whoever we possibly can, and I've been on the phone to, to the different extension directors that I can speak with and, and saying, guys, I'm not telling you we need to move forward with all the events this summer, but let's at least just slow down, take a deep breath, and make an educated decision when we have enough information to decide whether whether or not we can go forward. You know, all the concerns that I've heard, not not from exhibitors or families or whatever, but from whether it is managers or people in charge of shows or people that run those facilities, is that liability is going to be such a huge determining factor and whether they allow things to go on at these places where we have these state fairs, county fairs. And, you know, unfortunately, the vast majority of those are all controlled by the government. So, again, that's going to go a lot back to each individual state and how they're handling it from there on. But uh, I talked to Dell about this weeks back when we first started hearing about people already talking about possibly canceling 
county fairs and state fairs that are later in this summer. Unfortunately for the stock show people, I think that, you know, we would all be so grateful to go to one of those events that we would assume the risk and take it and be fine with the consequences and outcomes, whatever. We would just be so grateful that we were getting our kids out there to show their stock and get to do what we love again. Those fairs can't happen without the general public because their ticket sales and their corn dog standbys and the carnivals and all, that's what keeps all those fairs open for us livestock exhibitors to some extent. And so that's the biggest problem that I see because that's where their liability issues or what I'm hearing the liability issues and concerns are. No, I agree. And, and when it comes to the state fairs, we have to realize it's not necessarily that state fair manager's call. It certainly isn't the sheep or the goat or the cattle or, or the swine superintendent's call. It's, it's going to come down through the governor and the health department of that state, whether they're, they're going to allow this to happen or not. I can use Illinois State Fair as an example. They, they have the, the fair managers on track to host a, a state fair. But a couple of days later, after the governor is pushing forward with the state fair, make plans for it, assume we're having it. A few days later, he comes out and, and talks about summer events in the state of Illinois with any sizable group are probably not going to happen. Our state fair is early August. Um, I assume that's still in the summer, and I assume he's probably talking about that. So it's, it's, it's frightening. I, I just hope they don't make some of these decisions prematurely before, before they have to be made. I understand we can't do it last minute. We can't do a lot of things, but let's give it as much time as, as we possibly can to do so. Ryan, tell me a little bit. I know you had a chance to already judge one of the virtual shows. Yes, sir. I had a, a brief conversation with you. Tell, tell the public about how, how you're getting along with that. Uh, I've judged one, and I'm slated to judge uh, it, two or three more in the next weeks or so. And uh, be honest with you, I think right now they're necessary because we've got to keep these kids have something positive in their lives and something to look forward to. And so that's why I have been donating my efforts to judge these shows. I mean, I'm not doing anything else sitting here at the house. And so I'm not going to charge anybody to sit here on a computer and go through and sort these shows uh, while we're in this time of crisis and this pandemic. Uh, it was a lot more challenging than I want to admit because uh, I'm someone that, as Dale will tell you, I always tell people, seldom wrong and never in doubt. <laughs> and uh, that was by far and away the most challenging situation I've ever been put in to judge a show. And uh, I, I enjoyed the challenge. I'm going to tell you that it was a very different feel, a very different vibe, and I knew it would be, but I didn't know how dramatic of a difference it was going to be till I was actually there in that moment and doing it. And uh, it doesn't matter how much I talked to another friend that was had just done one via text, and it uh, doesn't matter how many times you flip back and forth through those videos, it's still not, you're still not as confident and comfortable in your alignment and your placing as you are when they're right there in that ring and you can just look back and forth. And I can't, I can't explain to you why that is, but I'm telling you from a judge's perspective and somebody that I think I'm very confident and what I love, admire, and like, and dislike, and show stock, uh, that was a little unsettling to me in some areas. But again, I was satisfied when we got through it. I think it does take a great deal more time than an actual show, but all we've got on our hands right now is time, so that's not a big factor. I do think that and again, I haven't had anyone close to me that's been an exhibitor in one, so I don't understand their thoughts just yet on it. 
there was a lot of factors that I never thought would come into play in terms of deciding things that were, and they didn't decide anything. They were just distractions, I guess, to me, whether it was video quality or people in the background that were trying to help other people out. There was just lots of factors that caused your attention to go away from the stock that you were trying to evaluate that I never thought would be there. But uh, again, it was really interesting. I'm looking forward to the other ones too. Maybe uh, that first one just had me a little shell shock, but no matter what right now, I think we have to have them. And there's something that's a necessity for these kids right now. They've got to have something positive to look forward to. They've got to have something to work for, not just because there's not that much else going on, but they've got to have something there to keep them going till we have some clarity on how we're going to move forward with the stock that we have in our barns right now. Because we can all fool ourselves all we want. None of us know what's going to happen next. I mean, we know that there's going to be shows again, but whether that we have these put on feed right now are going to make it to, you know, a fair or state fair or a market show yet, I, we're not we're not sure. And if you tell yourself you are, then you're probably a little too optimistic right now. But so we've got to have that going forward. In my opinion, as necessary as I think they are, they're never going to replace the actual feel, smells, sensations, and the energy of a real livestock show. And again, I've just had one experience at it, but uh, I'll have a few more as we go on through. No, I, I think that's that's absolutely correct, Ryan. And and they are a necessity right now. I I've told several people, and there's a lot of people out there working on different virtual platforms and putting a lot of time and effort to make them as good as they can be in the suggestions that I've had and even with Ryan, I don't think we can make a good virtual show that can compare to a live show. But right now we need to make the best we can. We need to try to, to give these, these kids something to, to continue working out in that barn for. And a lot of families have, have contacted me and said, whether we have a show or not, we're still going through the motions. We're still doing what we do to raise these kids in a stock show environment. And, and that's what it's all about. I like the idea of there at least being a virtual show out there. And I commend everybody that's putting the, the platforms together, the fair managers that are taking the time to do it. It's easier just to cancel. I understand that. I, I get it. But let's let's do all we can. The virtual show will not be perfect. It is impossible for somebody like Ryan to judge one of those virtual shows. I have one that I'm, I'm going to be sorting here in, in a week or so. It's not going to be easy on our end. It's not going to be easy for the exhibitors to get those those short video clips and get everything done. But guess what? It's it's something that that we need to do for the stock show kids. It's something that we're going to continue to do. And I, I have a feeling we're going to make the best of it, and, it, and it's going to be good. So I, I encourage participation in, in those virtual shows. I encourage all those behind the, the virtual shows that are putting the time and effort into it. Let's do it as best we possibly can and make it a, a positive experience for these kids. In some aspects, depending on the platform, some of these kids that may be showing at a local show that goes virtual, the entire country may be able to look at that and, and, and actually take part in it and, and maybe gets some grandparents and other people involved. So there's there's some good that we can come from it. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be perfect, but it's what we've got. And no matter what it is or what industry or what sport, when you first start something new, it always takes, it's always not going to be the best it can be right there at the beginning. And this is a whole new world for us in the stock show industry, this concept of virtual shows. Uh, and so I agree with you. I applaud those people that are put them together for those kids. That's why I'm donating my time and my effort 
to them when they've asked me to sort them. I really appreciate those people going the extra mile to helping these kids out in this, you know, really uncertain time of need for them. I agree with you. It's not going to be perfect, but we've got to make it as good and as perfect as we can get it right now so we can continue to move on and move forward and have something to look forward to till we figure out exactly what our next steps of getting back in that actual ring and in that actual dirt at a show are. And for the fair managers out there and people that are are running some of these shows, I'm going to commit Ryan to to digging up all the different platforms that are available out there. And we can post that up on the Beyond the Ring Facebook page so those managers have an easy access or at least a a contact to to touch base. I'm sure there's some of these fair managers out there that are are more familiar with the virtual shows and, and some that are not. But we're going to do what we can. We'll put some information up on, on the Facebook page to, to make sure that those, those things are available and, and easily accessible. And, and please try to do something. I know it's not easy. I know it's, it's uh, going to take more of your time to, to get this virtual thing to work. But, but we really need to kind of go that direction. Another topic that I, I wanted to touch base on, and, and I'm not sure, and, and we, we really pride ourselves in moving forward, that we're going to address some of those difficult topics and, and, and give our opinion and, and not hold back in any manner and as transparent as we can be. There is some talk about underground shows and more so maybe in the swine side right now, or at least that's where I'm at. Um, maybe as early as a couple of weeks from now, maybe before the April 30th deadline. I don't know when they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to change their mind and maybe not host some of these things. But Ryan uh, and I had discussed this just a little bit a few days ago, and, and he had a great, great perspective on this. Ryan, I'm going to let you lead off with that if you don't mind. Well, first off, I'm a fan. <laughs> I know Dale doesn't want me to say that, but no, in all seriousness, uh, I had the honor and the privilege to judge a big underground hog show right there at the end of this. And uh, that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done in my life. And uh, just the atmosphere and the energy that was there, it was really, really cool. And uh, I had a great time. I see, I understand the need and the want to uh, have these underground shows, and I get it. And if y'all knew what my schedule looked like before we got, well, what, through Houston and OIE, I had a show booked every single weekend to, I think, the middle of September and lots of stuff in between and everything, of course, at the end of March and April, and right now, most of May and a lot of June's been canceled. So I am just as hungry and as eager and as excited to get back at one of those, even if I'm just there to watch one. I just want to be at one, and so I get it. Uh, I worry that if these underground shows do go on, I mean, first first thing, they're going to have to be at a private facility, and there's lots of people that can probably do that. But yesterday or sorry, no, Sunday, uh, today's Tuesday, Sunday in Kentucky, they were taking down license plates of people attending Easter church service and recording them, and they were going to, I'm not sure if they were going to find them, but they were logging those in and taking those people down because they were attending a church service. What are they going to do when they see 500 trailers at somebody's residence and, you know, what is that going to look like? How is that going to get affected? I don't want us to be so eager to get to a show and have a show that it is at the detriment to our kids and our families. Because, And that's my biggest concern with it. I want to be back out there just as bad as anybody. 
But that is my main concern is you're going to have to be pay a lot of attention to what the state guidelines are in that state that you're going to participate in, and especially in that local area, wherever that show is going to be. Because what's happening here in Crockett, America, is different than what's happening in Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, etc. And so those are my biggest concerns in terms of underground shows. I'm all for it. If we can get them, get something going, get us out there and get us showing again, as long as it's safe and we're not doing something that's going to cause us more detriment than good in the long run, if that makes any logical sense at all. No, I think that's that's dead on, and we're all excited to get back out there. And, and I, I, I have concerns exactly like, like Ryan does. Safe, not at a detriment to the, to the youth or their families. And, and those that are hosting the shows, it, we're in a different world even before corona with the, the liability issues and things like that. So my caution is let's let's be careful. Let's be smart about it. And if it's bureaucracy or politics that's preventing us from getting out and showing, I'm, I'm a much bigger supporter of those those underground shows than if it's truly being restricted because of health-based and, and trying to protect these kids and trying to protect the families. So lots of, lots of different things have, have come to play during, during the COVID-19 coronavirus days. We hope more of them behind us than in front of us. I do have a question for you, Dale. At the first show you go to, will you have your hazmat suit like monogrammed on the front or could you get beyond <laughs> the ring embroidered on the back? So, I mean, you're going to be the only one in a hazmat suit, but I still think we need like some advertising going on for- because you, you think I'm going to get a lot of selfies. <laughs> You being the only dude in a hazmat suit at the show, you're going to get the most people wanting a selfie with you. So, like, I think we need to spruce it up a little bit. Like, have your monogram on the front, your name, maybe be on the ring, Hummel Live Stack on the back. Maybe we get you some patches or something like the race car drivers. I appreciate your your interest in that one. And, and just for the record, my hazmat suit. I am the most concerned. <laughs> I'm always here for you. Dan. My hazmat suit is for airport deliveries only. Will I be in one? I guess it depends where that show is and when that show is. You sit on a throne of lies. And and the uh, the selfies. Do you realize social distancing and selfies? We we are going to have to have a little educational talk about that, Ryan. Okay, Dale. I'm telling you, the night that I judged the underground hog show, I probably shook 700 plus kids' hands in the course of four hours. So again, I just don't know if it's possible for me to social distance. Like <laughs> I've tried. I've given it all I've got. I'm I'm a people person. Like I'm literally if Governor Abbott says there is a bar open in the panhandle, I'm driving 16 hours to get to that sucker. I'm just <laughs> gonna be like, I don't care who's in here, let me in. I wanna sit and have a drink in a bar. So yeah, I don't me and you are never gonna be able to like mend or mesh our rules on the social distancing together. It's just not gonna work out. No, I've even been thinking about the social distancing at that first stock show, live stock show we do. I think they're they're talking six feet. I've I've seen research; it's fifteen. So we we have to put some creative thinking into that that booth. Oh my, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a no. lot. Well, I think we're we're we've covered a lot of information today. Hopefully, it's it's been enjoyable for those of you out there listening. Um, we do have information, Ryan, you, I guess I'll, I'll touch on episode two, a little bit, a little teaser for that. If you will touch on episode three, Sure. but our, our second episode is, is we talked about earlier, I'm going to jump in and, and along with Ryan and, and a guest 
uh, by the name of Mr. Matt Clays. We're going to take on the, the drug testing issue, zero tolerance, some of the tough topics that come along with drug testing that sometimes we don't want to talk about, at least publicly. Um, we're going to jump in with both feet and, and be very transparent and and do the best we can to to pick Matt Clay's brain and, and listen to some of the, the ideas that he has along with with Ryan and I. So we're, we're excited about that one. We originally were going to hold off a few episodes, but I think it's something that, that needs addressed. And we're going to keep it very positive, but as educational as we possibly can. I agree completely. And, uh, you know, I, like you said, I think that we are two people that are, no matter whether we're just talking to somebody on show or talking to somebody on phone, that we don't mince words a lot and we say what we think. And uh, I think that we're two of the people that aren't afraid to talk about controversial subjects. And drug test- drug testing is controversial. I don't care how you want to spin it. That's a controversial issue. And, uh, you know, I look forward to that topic. I know Dr. Clays is really well-versed in all of those areas. And I look forward to hearing more information out of both of you guys on this topic, as well as sharing my personal story on these issues as well. And so I look forward to next week a lot. Excellent. And episode three is going to be our, our youth winner. Uh, please, I encourage all the, the youth out there to submit that that video clip, uh, I believe 60 seconds or less, to Beyond the Ring uh, email, which you can find on our Beyond the Ring social media, specifically Facebook. And we will bring those to you and post those up on on site. And you as a public can decide who that first co-host slash interview youth will be. Yeah, and like you said, when we find out who the winner is, uh, Dale and I will both contact that uh, individual and talk to them and get a feel for what they want to talk about. Because again, we want this to be audience-based and audience-friendly, and we want y'all to drive this train a lot in terms of what we talk about and who we talk to. And so we're going to find out what that individual that wins that contest is interested in talking about on that show. So the big thing is, is that that's going to be our first Junior Spotlight episode. I can't wait to see the videos that are submitted and who becomes the eventual winner and get to talk to them and share their thoughts with all of you out there. Well, Ryan, thank you for uh, for sharing the information with us. This this is our conclusion of our episode one, Beyond the Ring. Please go to our social media. We're going to be posting as much as we possibly can to make this as educational as we can. Thank you. Find me on Snapchat because I'm really funny. <laughs> <laughs>